rectangle circle, rectangle hole unicorn circle. Strawberries. I am rectangular. Rectangular. So. We recording? Yes. What's going on, everyone? It's the Kings of Punk podcast. And you are once again back with your host, the Kings of Punk. I am Tyler Hammer. We got over here. Jake Razor, Aki. And then over here. Uh, Gary U.S. Bombs. And uh, we, uh, we got a lot to talk about. This past weekend was kind of crazy. This past few days. And uh, um, there was something I wanted to... Oh, I mean, first off, if you didn't notice, uh, the Twitter account got suspended. It did. You got a new one now, though, right? I have a new one. It's at Tyler underscore Hammer underscore. That's... I'm going to use it more as my personal, but I do have Kings of Punk Podcast as my username. Okay. Not my handle, if that makes well, sense. Also, it is X now, right? It's X it now, X. you're right. It's not Twitter. So, uh, I told someone to uh, unalive themselves. Uh, I also said that people that need to smoke weed at work should be uh, should be in a ditch. Yeah, you, you mean like piled up. part of a ditch should be ma- making ditches in that they, they are in the ditch. Oh, so they dig it out and then they are they are a part of it now. They are executed into yeah. the ditch. Okay. And I don't mean people that like do weed stuff for work. I don't mean. Oh no no! People who like before their shift, they're like, Dude, I gotta. If I don't smoke this blunt, I'm gonna be a massive work. Oh man, I gotta do this and then operate heavy machinery, dude. Man, fuck you. This is crazy. Even when I worked in kitchens, like, I don't know, I do that sometimes, but I was never trying to, like, do that like other people were. No, now, I, drinking at the end of your shift while you're still working. Nah, I mean, that's I, great fun. I mean, I did it, but uh, I wouldn't Ask do it Ask any bartender. Oh, I mean, that's a whole different story, yeah. Well, they're I mean, probably going, you know, they're probably doing that as soon as they clock in. They're doing yeah. it while they clock, yeah. In the process of clocking in. That is kind of crazy where it's just like, hey, I'm around it. What am I going to do? Not drink? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, <man>. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty easy. <laughs> but um, so a new Twitter uh, or acts, I should say. So please give us a follow. All my, all my old mutuals. I'm sorry. Uh, Wait, so like is me. that going to ne- it's like that the old account never to be brought back? Uh, as far as I know, I re- I, re- oh, that's I, how it I, I repealed wow. it. I did an appeal, but I was like, I don't know what's going on. Well, because nor- normally the I've gotten suspended on X or Twitter before. And the what all it did was it made me delete my offending posts and then they let me back. I, see it. I said, like, you can delete your posts or you can appeal. And I was like, well, I'm going to appeal. And then I was like, then <laughs> hours later, I was like, I'll just delete it. So yeah. then I deleted it, and then they're like, hey, we went through your appeal, and uh, yeah, actually, you definitely did break the rules, so so it must be an old, well, it must have been that appeal. If I didn't appeal it... Well, what kind of, what's this fucking bullshit? Like, I thought they were supposed to be all like, for, oh, free speech. Well, now he's blaming the ACLU. No, the uh, ADL. The ADL. He's literally blame, he's blaming ADL. the Jews for his problems. The ADL for... Why Stitter, Twitter stock has gone down fifty percent? It's like, oh, it's first I mean, of all, definitely not him. Definitely not you, like, dude. It's you. You have done irreparable harm like, to the everything the in his thing. power to and, uh, like, try to ruin it. The ADL is, I guess, in this case, correct that like, dude. I mean, the amount of anti-Semitic shit I see on there has it's gone back to like twenty sixteen, like alt right levels. Like I'm getting recommended posts about. 
things that the Jews are supposedly doing like all the time. Oh, because they probably are. I'm assuming they're all Twitter blue people, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that I mean, from from their Twitter's perspective, I guess like that is it's a liability in terms of the ADL getting mad at you and your stock tanking. It's not a legal liability, whereas people telling people to kill themselves could be. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things that like that and like violent threats are still you can get but, banned for that. But are we really surprised that a guy who's, you know, dad made money off of uh, apartheid, uh, you know, he's a, a court like, you know, you take that guy out of South Africa, but you can't take the, the South apartheid Africa era of South Africa out of him. <laughs> no, I guess not. Like, so he's mad about it all. Uh, he's going to be like, uh, we're going to take them to court for defamation and they're going to have to remove the ante out of their uh, name. And it's like, I wish someone would just fucking redacted you so fucking bad. You fucking I mean, loser. Yeah, where, where are these bloodthirsty, um, you know, yeah, where's, where's, people where's, not like him in South where's, Africa where's, who want to like, chop his head off? Hopefully Mossad gets on the case like Zohan just like goes to his house. <laughs> yeah, he is a... Uh, I will say is he is out of his league with the Anti-Defamation League. That's really funny that he thinks he's going to fucking step to them over this shit. Like, are you out of your fucking uh, mind? They won't let me post my epic cheeseburger meme? I mean, is he is he actually just like a straight up, like a like a racist guy? Like, that's kind of no, what it seems like. No, he's just... So. I, he's, or is he just I, like... You know what it is? He's just so online. He's so online. He's like one, probably one of the most narcissistic people ever. He has all that money... So it's like a confluence of like various and, things. And he, he, because of his like free speech position, he staked out. I mean, obviously there's exceptions to that for like people who uh, say bad things about his company, I think. But um, I, do, I, I well, so in all seriousness, like really stupid, yeah. it's like, bro, come on, man. I don't, I don't think Elon Musk is anti-Semitic, but I think he is someone well, who. He's racist for sure. Uh, probably. I, I think he would probably, I think he's the kind of person who would, um. He said he's very against anti-Semitism, and I believe that on some level he is, but I also think he is the kind of person who is credulous in some ways and would be susceptible to people saying things like, uh, well, actually, all those accounts that they're mad about, you know, the ADL maybe made them themselves. Like, he, he, he would, he's the kind they're, of person. They're, they're spam bots yeah, or something. Like he, I don't think he hates Jews, but I could see him, like, being talked to by people who flatter him and who are anti-Semitic and entertaining their ideas because he's a credulous moron. And he is like, and he, because of the fact that he is a credulous moron and a narcissist and on the spectrum, I could see him. Oh yeah. Can't forget that. I, he, I uh, could see him too. like being the kind of person who would be like, well, I don't see what's wrong with investigating if the numbers regarding the Holocaust are correct or not. What could be wrong with investigating the numbers? And we're like, just investigating. He, because, because part of that shit is like, it's like, okay, you have to think through the implications of it. It's like, okay, that in and of itself wouldn't be bad, but like, there's obvious implications here that someone like him wouldn't think about. Right, because of the spectrum. Or yeah. he's just blatantly ignoring as many of those people tend to do they're just yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah. Know, they don't like, want to see oh, it. they well, don't want to I mean, see it so uh, they don't he's like he's like pulling a j-dog there's definitely no like, ulterior motive to this he's like pulling a j-dog where he's like I, I don't see how it's anti-semitic yeah yeah he's definitely yeah. doing that like listen bra bra j-dog i like i like yeah, i like hell's headbangers but like i mean i'm not trying to speak to him but uh 
Well, yeah, yeah, because he'd be like, you're a poser who likes SpongeBob SquarePants. I do like SpongeBob SquarePants. You're a vag boy, twink core vag boy. What's I up, say. bro, bro? But then he'd see my Conquer tattoo and be like, man, now I'm conflicted. No, nah, man. Nah, this man. guy's like, he loves the that war metal shit. Yeah, he'd be like, he's that not death a death metal this shit. This guy's not a pussy bitch. What did we watch? We were watching a video of J-Dog from Hell's Headbangers. He got J-Dog like a, here. He got a question from a f- listener asking him, like, what should Metallica have done after Injustice for All instead of Black Elm? He's like, make more badass thrash metal. Make more shit. Like, what was the band he mentioned? There was <laughs> Simple Toxic ass. Holocaust. Oh, like, uh, you know, Toxic Holocaust. That's a newer band. They play ripping thrash metal. They could have just made more stuff like that. It's like, to which yeah, dude, I, that's I would say. See, if I was in that room with him, I'd be like, well, here's the problem. Metallica isn't really a thrash metal band, which sounds weird, but if you think about it, they're not. Like, at, this point, upon, at this point, no. But like, not. even back then, like, listen to their those the classic four. Dude, do you know a single band that sounds like that? Well, I mean, bands have ripped them off. I, I don't even know that. No, I know what you mean. I just, I, got, I don't really know a band that's like, this kind of sounds 100%. This is Kill 'em All. Like, like I hear, I've well, heard yeah. like Slayer. I've heard like, just like thrash metal where it sounds like maybe Exodus or something like that. Or but like I don't, Testament. Maybe Testament. But I don't really ever hear a Metallica thrash metal like, band. Yeah, it's weird. Like, yeah, because it is funny you say that. Yeah, because it's like... Slayer, Exodus Testament, those are like probably the most ripped off. And yeah. anthra- meanwhile, Anthrax to some extent too. Anthrax by certain people. N- yes, yeah, I, but I not as anth- much. Anthrax is like the New York hardcore thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I do agree. Notice how you there aren't many bands that sound like Metallica or Megadeth. Yeah. You're right. I kind of I would actually like to hear more Kill 'em All influence in metal to be honest. Like that's something I would be very open to hear. We should like, bring that back. I I think with them they just are a very even though they don't seem it they're a very unique band in a certain way. Oh, of course they are. And yeah. that's what and same with like, Megadeth. They got as big as they were if they weren't. Uh, they like, aren't easy. It's not easy to replicate without like literally actually taking it note for note whereas I think with Slayer especially Slayer you can like Add a little twist, change up the notes a little bit, and it's like, all right, that's different enough. I, that's why it's so, f- they are a very unique band, which is why it's so funny for J-Dog to be like, yeah, obviously they should have just sounded like a Toxic Holocaust. <laughs> that like, album. He might as well have just been, yeah, like, oh, they should have just sounded like Municipal Waste. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But we're going to go back to what our, our typical our, statement, or, or not statement, but uh, going back to r slash punk. Got a question here. Is there such a, th- all right. Is there such thing as, quote, a poser, end quote, in punk community? So already kind of weird. A poser in what? A poser in punk community. Did they explain more what they mean by that? Yes, they did. Uh, Yeah. I have a whole paragraph. Let's, Let's hear it. I'm very new to the punk community, and so far I've been loving it. Every time I joined the community, I always felt like I'm being judged or it always felt like a competition. But I've been introduced to punk as a community that judges noon and nothing. That's no one all in one word. Peter Noon. Noony. That punk is a safe place for all kinds of people. That everyone has their own meaning of what punk is, but at the same time, I can't help but feel insecure about people still judging me or seeing me as a poser. So I have, there's a couple more sentences, but it's like, already, brother, uh, or I should say, uh, User Snoo Lemons three six three five already contradicting yourself there. Wow, this community is so unique and interesting and not mean, but also they're mean. 
Uh, so some jerks <laughs> judged me for not dra- being dressed, quote unquote, punk enough and made fun of my taking videos of a band saying to put my phone down and that it's not very, quote unquote, punk of me, LMAO, even, even though I was kind of stupid and I don't even usually care about what people think. This made me feel like a loser that's just trying too hard to fit into the community, and it started to feel like a competition of who is the coolest again. And I just can't stop thinking about it. First of all, I hate the word quote-unquote poser in general. To me, it just feels toxic. And people who call other people posers are just gatekeepers. But I wish people were more welcoming, and instead of making fun of newbies, they could like help them or guide them or just dot 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 not make fun of them? You but be happy about new I got people. Bad news. Not letting punk die instead. To me, it feels like calling someone a poser. God, why is, is it so still going punk on? In general, what do you think about calling people posers? What makes a person a poser in punk community? What, is there really such a thing, quote, as quote a poser unquote and a quote unquote real punk? What I hate about the word poser is what's up with that that weird misspelling. P-O-S-U-R? With the U-R? That's yeah. British. Brit- That's British. British. That's they British. So it's you. probably spread out through, probably in part, the song I Am a Poser by X-Ray Specs, which is a song that, you know what, this position in that song is kind of what I'm going to say here, because it says, I'm a poser and I don't care. I like to make people stare. Out of this poser thing, I never really understood, because if you look at the punk scene, especially in the 70s, but even the 80s, like with the tough hardcore guys... Dude, they're all posing. Like, everybody poses. Everybody has an idea for what they want to I present mean, to the world. I feel like the more fashioned up you are, like, I mean, the bigger the pose. Probably, but you also know? there's a there can be a pose to not being fashioned up. Like, everybody has kind of, like, yeah. you know, look at those classic pictures of punk bands and shit. It's like, some of those got taken by accident. Some of them didn't. Like, my advice to this person would be if you're insecure about being a poser, it means you need to pose harder and work on your poses. Those yeah. classic... Uh, punk pictures of Ian McKay uh, goat seeing a crowd at a Fugazi show. I mean, I'm going to say this. I don't think anyone was like making fun of you for taking a video. Of a oh, band. no one made fun of this person. I, I don't think that I could. Yeah, that, was, that was creative I could, liberties I right could there. I see you maybe inferring that someone is like maybe looking down upon you for not being dressed a certain way if you're at a very specific thing. But like, I don't know, from literally every interaction I've had lately, like, it seems very, no, I haven't heard of heard of that at all. Or seen we went to fucking like Skullfest and we weren't like spiked up and all that shit. And did anybody even look at us weird? No, not at all. Of course not. We we were dressed like I guess you and me and Coog are. We are the like suburban '80s hardcore person that goes to the city. You know what I mean? Like we're right. not like we're not wearing streetwear. We're not wearing. Oh, like, not me though. You, uh, you have yeah, kind of like kinda. an urban, um, urban outfit, like kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I looked a little more punk. I mean, I had this Sex Pistol shirt on. You had the Six Sex Pistol shirt did, on. Did we all have our wrist boots? On. We had all. We all had our, our bracelets on. So we're all we're all punked up. We are like, all right, we got the minimum equipment. We didn't do the straight like '80s hardcore look. Like there's no flannel or like Vans and shit. That's like, no, like gee, I don't think anybody look. was wearing jeans, right? I, I wasn't. Was, I, I was. He was. I. I, I, I had was. pants on. I should say. I had, I had camo ones on. They were black though, right? They were black. Yeah. Of course. I'm talking like blue jeans. Oh, baby. dude, I don't wear blue jeans. No, I mean, even for, for the work. even for the like hardcore guys who hate fashion punks, whatever. Oh, Sex Pistols is lame. Okay, like 
are you going to look at the band Biohazard and tell me they never did any poses? Like, get the fuck yeah. out of here. They were doing, like, bodybuilding poses. Like, punk, if you really believe it's a place where you can, like, express yourself, be yourself, like... That means I, I do think an inherent part of punk that has sort of gotten lost over the years is that sort of uh, David Bowie-esque like spirit of reinvention and um, being able to display yourself in an ostentatious mm. way. In real life, not on social media, in real life, like you get to be a character in the yeah. punk scene. And I feel like that's not something that is as like prominent in the scene anymore, but it certainly was at one point. And... I think that's the way to think of it. Like, and if you think of it that way, then you, you, uh, you're not going to be worrying about being a poser and shit. I don't know. This person has some serious neuroses that, uh, God damn. Yeah. If yeah. I had to offer a suggestion, I would say you just drop out while, while you're ahead. Cause I'm if gonna, you're going to be bothered by this kind of shit, I think my probably advice, not cut out for it. I think maybe the best advice is. Don't be afraid to let your freak flag fly a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And be maybe cringe. next time, be cringe. Be a be little cringe. cringe. It's okay. And maybe next time, yeah. Take some videos. Take a couple videos. Keep it short. A song. That's about it. And maybe do a little bit of moshing or something like that. Yeah. Pogo side to side. Here, here's the thing. Do a, a slam. You know. Mm-hmm. It's like that's like if you're not like a moshing person, the the you at the 80s slam video about just like just yes, stomping around from another state moving, of mind swinging yeah. your arms you you've probably seen the video folks it's a great video it's a skinhead in the discharge shirt yeah like just do a little bit of that everyone's gonna be stoked like i'm stoked whenever i see a little bit that's my mm-hmm. preferred form of moshing i would say the side to side as well yeah that's so. like the best one you can you can do a side to side and you could the cool thing is you can combine that with a pogo or yep. a two step or really whatever you want. I mean, you're yeah. seeing a whole bunch of side to sides for one band at uh, Punk's Picnic. What or not? Not really. I don't know. I kind of. We there did, was enough. What? There was a good amount of just general oh, deep moshing. disdain. Did yeah. you see them? That was the only band I saw. Yeah, they were hilarious and awesome. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah. Why don't you guys talk about Punk's Picnic? That was the uh, the thing we went to on yeah. Sunday. I only saw one band who was deep disdain. It was a bunch of young kids playing 90s metalcore. And it was, as I said, hilarious and awesome. Between every song, the singer who, I don't, th- I hope he doesn't take offense to this. He looks about 13 years old. And he, between every song, was like, yo, get in here, get in the pit. If you don't get in the pit, you're a fucking bitch. I don't care what your gender is, what color, what band you're in, how cool you think you are. You're a fucking bitch. You, you're probably a bitch. You're a little bitch. And like, whenever they would play breakdowns, I remember they started a breakdown and he said, Put a pussy on disability. And <laughs> I lost my shit. They were very funny, very entertaining. They got some good riffs. They, their second song, they had that good kind of mechanical pinch harmonics, like Pantera style or like prong style, perhaps even. A little bit of prong, yeah. yeah a little, it's, so they're, they, they're a very cool band. Like them a lot. I uh, wish I could have stayed at the picnic longer. I don't know if you guys want to speak about any of the other bands at the Rochester Punks picnic. Something that's happening every year for as long as I can fucking remember. And I've been to, I think, most of them since I've been around. Um, uh, Let's see. I also liked, um, uh, uh, there was this band Ground Sweat that played, I think. That's uh, Binghamton, right? Yes, yes. Binghamton, Syracuse. I- interesting little mix. It's like uh, it's like thrash metal, like plus grindcore. Okay. 
I, well, I saw part of per- Pure Heel, and I actually liked them pretty good. That's like a wrestling-themed band, and fittingly, they reminded me of Gordon Soley motherfuckers a little bit. Singer kind of sounded like Tony Urba, kind of similar style of hardcore. They also had, there was a wrestling match that broke out in the middle of their set. That's sick. I'm bummed I missed that. Oh, you? Oh man, you missed that yeah, shit? Yeah, it sucks. I, it was oh, it was, it was pretty sick. Like, they, uh... They were bashing each other up with those light bulbs. Yeah, last year when they did the wrestling at Punk's Picnic, it was awesome. I think that really has uh, rejuvenated that annual event. They definitely should do that, have at least one of those matches every year, because people do, people like, I think people like that shit. Oh, of course they do. This year was interesting because we went kind of late, and I was like, all right, I'm going to miss Deep Disdain. We had, we're going to practice with HR, Lucifer realized our band. I was like, oh, I want to see Deep Deep Disdain because they're um, kind of friends with their now singer Jack. He's like 16. They're all like 16 years old. Uh, I want to see them. It's like one of those things where it's like I want to try and support and check out this band as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's Um, what he was saying at the end of his set too, or the Deep Disdain set where he was like, yeah. What he what he was just like, keep coming out to these, support the bands. We can keep doing this. Yeah, and yeah, he gets it, and like, you know, I I got that when I was a kid, but it was because it was just like, yeah, I'm gonna go to punk shows, like no duh, but like, I don't know, some people. And to his to credit, I feel like I have seen him at uh, a lot of shows. A lot of shows, it does, and people seem to come out for them. That was the most remarkable thing when I was briefly at the punks picnic was uh, what all the people who were like dancing for them. Well, people dancing, but also like 75 percent of the people there, I don't know who they were. So there's new yeah. people around, and that's. I don't Maybe know. Maybe they're them. coming from other places. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but it's better than no people. Yeah, they so could, that's good. They could be from like Rush or the Honeyoy Falls or something, Mandan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, weird places like that. Brighton, you know. <laughs> the weird place Brighton the that's like five Brighton minutes that from where literally that I think weird in, place actually. Brighton that we're like a street over from. Yeah. <laughs> but uh no, it was they're they're great. Uh, so we I was able to catch them. Pure Heel was pretty sick. I've never really seen them. So it was pretty good. Uh, My thing with them, I'm sure you're going to say it, Tim, played a little too long. It's like, uh, we don't really need a 35-minute I mean, set. What, played that long. What yikes. didn't help was that also, like, the thing with the wrestling match to Miller's. Like, they already played for probably, like, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, we'll say 15 minutes. Yeah, and then they do the match. And then, yeah, they probably played for, like, after that, they another started playing for another minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah, 15, yeah. 20. And it's like, it would have been cool to, like, it's like they should have started playing in the middle of the. Like, they should have just thing. kept playing when the wrestling was happening. But you know yeah. what? I'm sure. I'm sure with when it comes to wrestling, being them being able to communicate with each other. Oh yeah, you know what? That actually is a yeah, valid. Yeah, yeah. They can't right. They can't do their. Uh, they can't call their spots. Yeah, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I I kind of get that, but yeah, uh, I I would say. This is no this to to James or anyone who is involved with setting it up, but be a little bit maybe next time be like all right how yeah. about a twenty minute set from everyone don't don't yeah I, I mean I don't well, I, I think the, the problem was that I think on the the schedule or whatever like every band was given like an hour an hour yeah that's that's See, too much to me I'm like and a band no band dropped to me I'm like you know what hey guys let's wrap this up by nine. And then we get to chill out for like another two hours. Yeah, right, dude. Just hanging, you know, and, hanging I, and banging. As at the someone park. who has done uh, multiple park shows, because uh, this is at a park. I don't know if we mentioned that, but uh, I think we did. Uh, it is the, the scramble at the end to to clean up everything. It is, sucks. It sucks. 
especially if you only have half an hour. And there's yes. also like no light. Yeah, it's, you know it's, it's like not pitch super black. fun. One of the funniest things I thought was also with the wrestling match. Yeah, there's like these two guys co- covered in like blood and glass. And, uh, yeah. you know, like 50 feet over, there's like a playground where there's like all these like little kids like. Yeah, yeah I saw, I saw them as I was. I saw some families. They looked like maybe Pakistani families. They were Muslim as I was leaving. And they were very amused by the music they were hearing. They got a kick out Probably, of that. Yeah, look at all like these crazy this. people. Yeah. They're screaming. I heard I was pulling up to Punk's Big and I heard like reggae music blasting. And oh, I was like, that, that was that was going like all day. Yeah, that was like across the way. I thought it might have been from Punk's Picnic. I was like, okay, they're going doing the seventies nope. play reggae between. No, the that would they were that would be cool. That. It yeah, really is like at this back. point, like guys, just don't stop playing punk music at or like punk shows. any any like punk or metal music between sets. Yeah, yeah. it's like come on, because that's what we're here to see. Like we don't need to hear it between sets. No, break it up a little. Like bit. put the fucking hockey game over the over the PA. <laughs> so I can watch it on the TV. Yeah, put a, put the hockey game on with reggae music underneath it, and it'll that's yeah, a give you cool the, the that nice Canadian flavor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be like I'm really in Brampton <laughs> or Grimsby or whatever. Yeah, but not only that, Sweet Home Masagua. <laughs> <laughs> we had some great times, but there were some pretty sad times. Past uh, few days, a shitload of people died this shitload week. Of I'm people gonna put died. it bluntly. This yeah. year, I mean, this year this, too. This year too, yeah. but this past like this week, seven to eight, nine days or so. It's pretty grim. It's just been a goddamn. It's been like a like a parade of the Fucking dead, bloodbath. Yeah, I mean, t- three recently, the, the three? three most like prolific punk icons, uh, Sakavi Yokoyama of Gizm, of Gizm, uh, Jimmy Buffett. Of, of Margaritaville of and Gizm. Jimmy Buffett of Gizm. He was brief. He was briefly a member. If you check this interview, and Steve Harwell of Smash Mouth, also of Gizm too. If you can believe it. <laughs> God damn. Somehow, also in Gizm. They were in spirit. In spirit, they were in Gizm. And then the endless blockades for the pussy footer. Death agonies and screams. Death agonies and screams. Screams. Syphilitic vaginas in paradise. Tear the syphilitic vaginas in paradise. <laughs> Fucking Jimmy Buffett. What the Damn. fuck? And then like, also, Gary Wright died last night, too. The guy who sang that Dreamweaver song. Oh, really? Dreamweaver in that uh, My Love is Alive. Yeah. And um, uh, was it Dodi Al- uh, Mohammed Al-Fayed? Oh, God, uh, or no. Or Mahmoud Al-Fayed, or whatever his name is. Dodi Al-Fayed's dad. Who the fuck is that? Uh, the Some guy Egyptian that was... Guy. Da- Dodi Al-Fayed was with Princess Diana when they died. Oh, really? Like See, the, he must have been... He must have had his lip unbuttoned a bit too much recently. His dad, uh, Mohammed, I think Mohammed Al-Fayed. Um, yeah. Mohammed Fayed, uh, he was, like, uh, very wealthy. Okay. I don't know that much about the Princess Diana thing. That's a little conspiratorial rabbit hole I still need to go down. I love, so, Tom, great great comedian, Tom Myers, amazing joke. It's like, in a world of Kardashians, <laughs> be Diana. And he was like, a distracted driver? Like, was she wasn't driving. <laughs> like, the implication is. Or it was like, yeah, she was like sucking the driver off or something. She was a distracted driver. It's like, dude. So, but it's it's a classic Tom Myers thing where you go, oh, so he thinks he was driving and he'd probably, if he responded, go, 
uh, no, I know that, you idiot. Or that's not what dude, I meant. No, that nuts. dude is definitely that dude he is rules. definitely thought that she was the driver dude, for like the last twenty five years. He absolutely does. Yeah, yeah. She drive a car. Like she's like a. Person. Yeah, I mean, like how uh, else would you get somewhere? I mean, she's got money. She's got a car. Dude, like, because it's like, let's be honest. No one like in the me, royal she family. has a car. <laughs> <laughs> she, like, never had to work at 7-Eleven. <laughs> no one in the royal family has driven a car in the last 50 years, except 100 years, except for sport or, like, for yeah, fun. Yeah, for, yeah, for, yeah, to, like, fun. hunt, to, like, you know, it's like ones. death race where they run over civilians. Exactly. In the streets. Very funny Tom Myers bit. But, uh, no, we got, not only that, but uh, Dave Stein... I believe. Yeah. What of, he, he was a promoter or something, right? A promoter, like general punk person who would throw shows. He had some record labels. Uh, I think probably the most more important one would be Combined Effort Records, which oh, we yeah, yeah, just yeah. touched on last week with the Troy Core episode because Combined Effort Records put out the Albany-style hardcore. They put out some other inch. good stuff, too. I can't remember off the top of my head. They put out some good youth crew stuff. I believe, uh, I think one or two Super Touch records. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. A couple other comps. The Life's Blood Defiance 7 That is the one I'm thinking oh, of. Wow. Great, great record. Amazing record. All-time classic. Uh, and maybe, and a couple other ones, but it was, the combined effort was only from like the late 80s. Yeah, it was a relatively short-lived label, but they He was also a, at a music entertainment lawyer, I believe, too. Oh, cool. So, yeah, people need those. And then on top of that, there's two more passing away. Um, yeah. For, uh, first was John Kesdy of uh, the Effigies. Yep. yep. Died Another after, lawyer. Oh, too. yeah, he became a prosecutor after uh, really? he played, I think. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of he was. Uh, he worked way. with the DA, I believe. Yeah. And I believe he had a lot of, you know, maybe face some blowback in his post-Aphigies years. Oh, I'm, I'm sure there's people who didn't yeah. like that, and that band kind of got shit for allegedly being right-wing, too. I, From what I've been able to gather, I think that is wildly blown out of proportion and yeah. mostly comes from them thinking that Articles of Faith were annoying and they were a very left-wing band, of course. Uh, I could but maybe see that back in the day. Poor, poor Mr. Kesdy here. Uh, he passed away because he collided with a parked Amazon truck that was parked in a bike lane. Illegally parked. Yeah, too. illegally parked, yes. Fucking dickhead Amazon. So hopefully, I know, I hope his trucks. family, uh, you know. Yeah, they should sue they should shit sue, out of yeah. fucking I'm not, Amazon. I don't blame the driver because I'm sure, dude, those people are just like, all right, the, the Amazon machine's like, if you don't deliver 100 packages today, we're going to kill your family. No, they have to, like, piss in their fucking vans while they're driving and shit. I don't blame the driver at all. I blame Amazon. Um yeah, John Kesdy, I was just listening to Effigies again in part uh, because of this. I think they are a wildly underrated band, probably a more important band than people realize. Yeah. And I think I understand why they don't get more recognition. It's because they are a difficult band to put into a uh, box tied to people's identity. Right. It's like, oh, are they oi? Are they post-punk? Are yeah. they hardcore? A little bit of all the above. Maybe a little and bit of noise rock, too, at some yeah. point. Later, later on, yeah. And some of it is just like, I was actually thinking about, I want my, my band, Eclectic Blend, which I would describe as a rock band, to cover Effigies, because some of their stuff is just like rock music, like some of the early yeah. shit. It's kind of like Oi, too. But I think that is kind of why they get, you know, they don't get as, um, they're not like on like a, you know, minor threat, bad brains yeah, like think, think about people in subculture, like in their identity, things like, oh, I'm an 80s hardcore guy. I'm a spiky punk. I'm this, I'm that. Like, 
that band doesn't really fit anywhere. Where they would fit the most, I guess, would be the skinhead thing because they did dress that way. And I've seen like old head skinhead guys from the 80s on Facebook that I used to follow and stuff. Not prominent people, just random guys. Uh, t- talk about how they were like, no, Iron Cross was not the first American oi band. We didn't give a fuck about them. Effigies were the first. And people don't think of them that way. A lot of their music doesn't quite sound like that. But they were rocking that look. And you can hear it musically on some of the early records. Really, my biggest thing with that band, and again, this is something that isn't appreciated for reasons that I'll explain in a second. Uh, his lyrics are amazing. I think from the entire 80s hardcore milieu, uh, much of which I love, but much of which I wouldn't say has great lyrics. Like, Effigies might have the best lyrics of any of those bands, but people who are primarily fans of music from that milieu aren't necessarily interested in, like, great lyricism, which is fine. Yeah. But if you are, you should check out that band's entire discography and you should read the lyrics because he, he did a really amazing job with the lyrics and i I might read some of them later on here's a question close the episode yeah maybe um who who did their records get put out by what label were they on the effigies um i can look that up yeah look it up i think they Uh, were on a few different labels because i feel like that would maybe be like you know them being from the midwest back then they maybe weren't like on the most prominent Yeah, for those who don't know they were a chicago band i think they may have self-released some of their stuff now I know they didn't have anything on, like, big labels. They might have had something on Touch and Go, but I could be misremembering that. Oh, actually, their first LP. uh, Enigma? uh, Enigma? Yeah, Enigma Records, really? That seems like a... But the first LP... The first first 12-inch with the flag thing, that's on Autumn Records. Okay, never heard of it. Then it's on Ruthless. Then the next thing, the Body Bag Security 7-inch is on Ruthless Records. And the word the machine, uh, which I believe that's a twelve inch. Yeah, it's kind of long. Yeah, twelve inch. That's on a. Uh, let me see here. Those are Ruthless like and and Enigma. Those are like twelve inch EPs. I mean, yeah. the, the the first full length. I think by that point they were doing the post punk thing a little bit and probably had lost some of their their fans a little yeah, bit. Yeah, forever grounded. Uh, which, yeah. So that's Enigma. I would say uh, what I was gonna say is I. Uh, Steve Albini uh, was talking about him on uh, Twitter. Yeah. And he was like, without like John Kedzie and like the effigies, I like there would be like no big black and like what I'm sure that's true. Yeah. And honestly, dude, like listen to Forever Grounded and then like listen to Big Black and like tell me that that isn't where he got like a lot of like it's got. Yeah, it's got that kind of like kind of snark like it's snark but it's subdued a little bit it's not like jello biafra type snark it's subdued under a sort of layer of like uh rust belt terseness Mm -hmm. that that i really really appreciate um that's like the chicago vibe i mean uh, naked ray gun was kind of the same way but yeah effigies and i mean big black probably my favorite from that scene in the 80s or them and effigies neck and neck i'm I'm not surprised albini said that he is exactly the type of person i would expect to be inspired by this band Mm. and he's not a common type of person unfortunately (laughs) you don't get very many of those he uh currently made some people mad because uh so recently you mean yeah, recently i mean like that's like every what other they, week did more people find out about his uh uh what the white house can i or like what is it like oh i mean Peter he's Soto's? like no but he's people are mad about like that i mean he's also said stuff like 
that he's oh, like heinous thing. I saw like child I, porn. And I stuff saw like his that quotes and, about that. Yeah, and it's like it, to be fair, I don't know if he's like ever if especially back then was like being serious about anything. Yeah, yeah. Or if he was that's really because like it's like talk about shit stirs and like that guy is like the the original the day, troll dude. Oh my gosh. I think he kind of was like that. Like Dude, he loved absolutely. doing Absolutely, he loved to fucking like being that subversive motherfucker. Off. But it's like, like, dude, like I don't want to say I've like based myself off of him in a way, but like kind of in that like I want to be well, like. Hey, I, I'll annoying, say this, but if you're trying to base yourself off him, you got to start eating more Slim Jims. You're right. I do. Uh, I do like a Slim Jim, but uh, like I want to be like, like, oh, man, that guy says some shit that annoys me. But goddamn, like, his legacy is undeniable. You cannot deny his, like, actual legacy. But I'm not, I don't like the guy. Which, I'm, I want people to like me. I don't want people to like me that much, though. But, um, no, he made people mad because uh, that dude Jeff Rosenstock is doing, like, a tour. Which guy is that again? I have no, I don't fucking know. He's Some doing guy. a tour and Jell is, like, touring with them. Um, and, like, he was, like, Jeff Rosenstock, he's doing... What you kind of described uh, on the recent episode with Politicor about scowl bands that like kind of uh, create like a, an enemy and a target and like have like with scowl recently saying oh, we're, people are saying we're industry plants. So I think Jeff Rodenstock was talking about merch cuts. Oh, I saw that thread. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know who's asking him about this even in the first fucking place. We don't, like, here's my thing. I don't fucking need to know about your stupid oh, fucking merch like, cuts. You mean like he's just trying to maybe drum up some conversation? Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. He wants his supporters, like, now, I guess the nice thing about that compared to the scowl industry plan thing is, is that, like, merch cuts affects everyone. No, and, he's, and it's something that's it real. Is, I it did, is real, and it's I, I saw that thread, and I'm curious what Albini said, because I agreed with him. Like, merch cuts are fine if I get a cut of the bar. Otherwise, yeah. fuck you. Like... Well, he, Steve Albini was like, to be honest, in my 40 years of playing shows, I've never paid a merch cut at all. Like, it is, like, negotiable. Like, and, like, obviously, two things is that, like, Steve Albini, his touring life is probably post, more so post where merch cuts are, like, a thing right. versus pre. But also, because he doesn't make his money on touring, I'm sure his booking agent... When booking shows, if someone's like, "Yeah, we got a twenty-five percent merch cut, non-negotiable," and and Steve Albini and crew are like, "We're not paying a single merch cut." Go fuck yourself. He, yeah, they're because their their life they're not based around touring. They can go right. Go fuck yourself. We're gonna find someone that doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Versus like a Jeff Rosenstock, a Jal Scowl, a fucking that kind of it, a fucking I do gotta say uh, that revenge. Is... You know, I'm looking at Judas Priest, even uh, the Cure. Uh, that they is may fucking not have wild that. that these venues need that much money from the band. It makes sense. I mean, again, everything has to go up, man. Yeah, everything has, has to, go to keep up. going up. It's not enough that like you're bringing really, hundreds like of people there. To unbelievable, get man. Not only that, like they, it's like already right, got thousands of people here, hundreds and thousands yeah, so of people here. We need like, also we gotta crank up these these drink prices. Um, also, we gotta now take your merch money for some reason. Now they're gonna. It's like. Eventually, they're just going to start using charging to use the bathroom. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. Hopefully. 50 cents a square. That's where they're going to go. 
Oh, like, uh, well, you can only have the the faucet on in 10 second increments. Yes, you could hear more about that on the political episode where Dylan proposes some basic things we can do to at least maybe slow down the trend of having to have all these people Very fuck good. us in the ass. But episode. yeah, well, I mean, I got to say libertarians must be loving this. Oh, they love they love you know, all they're of like, it. Oh, Earth yeah. Cuts? Crank, you know, because they're just like. Oh yeah, I mean, I own that brick, that you know block on the sidewalk. You need to give me ten cents every time you step on it. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. aren't they? They love that kind of they shit, do love don't that they? Kind of shit, I guess. It's good. It's actually they have. Yeah, it's really good. Volumes and volumes of books explaining why it's good for it to be that way. And definitely not bad. Either well, think about either it. why it's good or why it's actually the government's fault. Yeah, and, why it would be bad. Yeah. yeah. If you don't, if you aren't paying taxes, you have all this extra money to pay. Oh, someone these, right, money these, to drive on a highway these sidewalk laws sidewalk laws yeah so fucking stupid but uh yeah i'm i'm glad that albini gave uh effigy some props and i that does i was uh, i always assumed he was a fan or was inspired by them and i'm not surprised to hear that like i said similar not i wouldn't say they're musically similar but there's a similar vibe which again isn't for everyone it's kind of a subdued vibe in subways but uh but I, I like it a lot, and yeah, I, I, like I said, Kez the amazing, amazing lyricist. And then the unfortunate third passing that I believe happened, it was like uh, Saturday, this past Saturday or Sunday or something. thought it might have been uh, yesterday. Guitar player for uh, the L.A. punk band, The Stains, Robert... Becerra. Becerra. Uh, Robert Becerra, yeah. Yeah, this is another band that I think doesn't get enough recognition. We talked about them a little bit on our uh, Puss Head list episode because yeah. their their album made the list i listened to the album again today uh and watched kind of this mini documentary razor cake made about them uh pretty interesting band and interesting like convergence of things that led to them not really getting their due in my opinion but uh i mean that dude who died becerra his guitar playing is really what puts that record in the history books if you ask me he's doing like metal punk playing it almost reminds me of celtic frost a little bit it's like greg ginn and celtic frost like heavy it's heavy metal it's heavy metal but it's fucking really punk they were the first punk band from east la so i guess latino punk pioneers and uh i you know i was thinking about it today i'm wondering if there's going to be like a resurgence of interest in them in part because they were people of color and whatever everyone wants to focus on that now but uh you know, if that happens, I think they deserve it because they were if, way, way ahead of their time musically. If, if that gets the album reissued finally, then Dude, so be it. I please fucking Greg Gringo needs to fuck off with his <laughs> shit. I heard a rumor that he lost the master or the master tapes got destroyed because he left them in his fucking warehouse in San Pedro by the beach and the fucking salt water fucked it up. Moldy I, and shit. I hope that's not true. That's really the one of the interesting things about this band. Record collectors all want that record. It's one of the only things on SST that wasn't kept in print. Uh, for years, people have wanted a reissue because it's fucking expensive and it's like a cult classic. And it sounds like pretty much since they put the record out two years after the band broke up, like they just forgot about it. This was not SST was busy pushing like Tom Tricoli's dog and DC three and all their weird Grateful Dead shit. And, and, I was gonna uh, say these dude DC three. Have you ever listened to that band? Years ago. What? It's bad, right? Dude, it's so bad. Well, it's like the Grateful Dead, isn't it? No, I don't think it's like that, that. October but faction. It's, it's just like, oh my god! I remember listening to it. Just like, damn, I. That's crazy. They put this out. 
Not everything back then was good, guys. They were hammering on that and the Stains record they didn't give a fuck about. Now, there's other reasons for that. The Stains were a bunch of teenagers, basically, and they weren't going to go on tour and, you know, whatever. Whereas fucking, I guess it's the touring thing again. Fucking Tom Tricoli's dog did go on tour because half of them were with Black in Black Flag, so they could just Greg, tour all the time. Greg Gringo and... Greg Gringo and whoever was else was in that band. And Henry Rollin in the dough. He did not have a stupid side well, project to his credit. As I don't know if you mentioned it, if well, we, uh, as we pointed about- out, like um, th- they are like predecessor in a way to like that kind of specific sound, or like they kind of sound like Black Flag, or Black Flag kind of sounds like them, maybe better. Some yeah. would say. Would would and, uh, uh, around this time, Black Flag was not putting out material. Well, they couldn't. They couldn't. Yeah. What and a w- perfect time to put out a Black Flag sounding band that is similar in a way I wonder, did but a Bla- band that is not around <laughs> anymore did Blast get their record put out that year too I oh, wonder no, that, was, that was later okay. yeah that was like that was like after Black Flag broke up or, that was when yeah. they were like probably they were, they were around they were actually no it was earlier you're right they were it was probably like 84 play, they played right? shows together yeah they did which and is the, so weird and Rollins makes fun of them in his book but Jake which I he kind of maybe should would, would you consider um Henry's um shitty poetry as like a side project <laughs> <laughs> no, because he did that in Black Flag. I mean, because I hate, like, I hate reading Get in the Van, and then, like, here, there's, like, some, it's, like, these stupid, like, fucking boring, lame, like, poem, spoken word, whatever the fuck. It's, like, this sucks. I like some of his poetry stuff. I think some of it's all right. It's not It's wh- It's too whiny for, for my liking. He, but. You know what? He lived a uh, modest lifestyle. I think he yeah, could. He lived in a shed. I, he lived in a shed. I think he could whine a little bit, you know. Have a little cheese with his wine. Compared but I mean, to like, say, okay, let's say him, this. him being on the road a lot too, though. Uh, I mean, that must well, actually be, that, that probably drains you. Too. That drains yeah. you, man. Well, that's the big takeaway from a lot of his spoken word or poetry stuff for me is it's. I I guess I could see where someone would think it was whiny because it does. It reminds me of Catcher in the Rye a little bit. He talks a lot about other people being phonies and how much he hates everyone. Which, granted, if I was on tour all the time meeting a bunch of annoying people and also being with Greg Ginn pretty much all day, every day, I might uh, have similar things to say about you know, people. Greg yeah. Ginn, he had a pretty funny voice. He had a very funny voice. Oh, yeah, more. But yeah, in 80, that Stains record was recorded in 81, though. And that was when they did Damaged. And I think those sounds, like, even there's some similarities in Gin's guitar playing and Becerra's guitar playing, but even just the guitar tone is similar. Now, they also recorded it at SST with Spot. One thing I learned today that's fascinating is that, like, this is just one of those rock and roll serendipity things. Like, they went to record the album, and Spot told them, hey, I've got this 62 Strat. Like, do you want to try playing this? And Becerra did, and it had a whammy bar, which he had never played with before. And that ended up being like the most iconic thing on that record is how much he's fucking killing it with the whammy bar. He uses it a lot and he uses it to great effect. A fast learner, huh? Yeah, and then he didn't use it again after that because it wasn't his guitar. He had like some heavy metal, like not a flying V, but a V-shaped oh, heavy well, metal guitar. Probably love that though for that. Yeah. That so period of time. Basically, an accident that it has that iconic whammy bar on it. But yeah, I like that record a lot. It stands out from the pack it's it's you know it's a little teenage sounding with the lyrics and stuff but it it has a kind of uh there's something sinister to it with like how they're dressed and how it sounds and the heavy metal edge that i think 
really makes it stand apart from a lot of its contemporaries. And there's the reason why people have been fucking wanted to reissue forever. But I don't know. Where the fuck is it, Greg? Like, you own the fucking rights. They I, don't own the rights. I, th I feel like Greg just keeps maybe making excuses to why, you know, because it's like, you know, if people hear it, they'll be like, oh, seems kind of kind of familiar. It does sound a lot like what Flag was doing at that point. I, I think... But more metal. I mean, less I Grateful Dead, more metal. I don't ever care about anyone stealing anything, I guess, at this Me point. Me neither. Like, thinking about it, <clears throat> as much as I wouldn't like someone to do it to me, I do it a lot. We all do it. Yeah, for and sure. As long as you're bringing something slightly different to the table, like, I don't know, man. Just kind of get over it. I yeah, also just... don't, I don't necessarily think that... Greg Inn was ripping off Robert Becerra's guitar playing. I think it's possible no. they just had some of the same influences. I mean, I know yeah. from getting the van, Greg Inn would listen to the first Dio album and the album Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath. And then ZZ Top. Yeah, on repeat. Like, just in the van, he would play it over and over joyously and just listen to it. Probably uh, taking so in every little nuance. Every little nuance of the playing of whoever played on that Dio record. Um, Vivian Campbell, I think. Uh, that's like from Def Leppard yeah. or something. No idea, so, to be honest. Um, Robert Becerra's influences. I know in that thing I watched, they said his when he like basically auditioned on guitar, he played Highway Star, Richie Blackmore. So I think that was an influence. Yeah, yeah. They they melded a lot of different influences that you wouldn't really hear in a punk band at that point. And uh, let alone coming out of East LA. Yeah, there were other by by the time that record came out, there were other punk bands from East LA, uh, Mexican people, obviously. But they didn't sound like that. No one else was playing, like, mean hardcore in East L.A. like they were. But we also have... We should maybe go back. So, Kevy. Yeah. yeah. Talk, the yeah, real legend. Talk, the, the true legend. The, uh, the, 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 the top. I mean, you know, not to put an order of importance onto these three fellas' deaths, but... I mean, know, but Sakevi yeah. Calling him a legend is, like, this is the most... If there's anyone in music I would call a legend, it's this guy. He's this, he literally legendary. Yes. I mean, also very mysterious. One of yeah. the most mysterious, probably, yeah, it's, musicians of all time. It's how the Still. legend developed. Still, yeah. Like, I don't know where what his life is like. I don't know, I know what he, what did, he all day. did. I don't know what and, his job was. And I feel like none um, of the people he worked with, you know, the musicians he worked with, they're probably not telling either. No, I, that that is it's an interesting thing. I, Do we I, know how he died? No, he, we'll he probably passed away know. peacefully. It said so. I'm assuming some sort of cancer or something like that, or just right. natural causes. COVID. Uh, vaxed, you know. <laughs> he was. Probably, he had. A, he just got a vaccine. I'm yeah. gonna go out on a limb and say absolutely not, because I seems like he wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, no. I mean, who knows? Maybe he chilled down in his later years. I, I doubt know. that. Uh, I saw his art book. It seems a little bit like the opposite happened, but maybe. <laughs> like he got more crazy, more crazier. And that extreme. book has some wild shit. In yeah, it. I saw I some of it. That. Um, Our well, friend, the brain from Cleveland had it. Yeah. His book. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I posted some pictures on our Instagram and I have more of them. But uh, so he did a zine early on in the mid 80s with. Two of them with one of the guys from Laughing Nose, uh, Cherry or Cheery, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember. And then he did a third one with a U.S. artist. I forgot his name. Um, 
But the first two was it was called POW. The first two was called Punk on Wave. Had like illustrations and stuff like that. I didn't, I didn't have too many. I got I was able to download most of some of them, but I was able to download all of the third one pretty much. And the third one is not called Punk on Wave. It's called Performance of War, and in it is some pretty bizarre stuff, including instructions on how to create an atomic bomb. Uh, which comes from like a weapons manual or something like that. That he like found. That somehow. he found, or like someone like had like printed like a someone in it was the like military an personnel kind of or something deal. like that. Yeah. Like along with the other stuff, like how to kill people. Like, yeah, and letters think, he wrote. I believe he corresponded with. I know the PLO, Palestine Liberation Organization, and I believe the Japanese Red Army, which was a Japanese Maoist group that did like uh, plane hijackings. Really? That's yeah, it. they were very extreme. And didn't yes, am I am I wrong on this? Or wasn't he also? Didn't he also talk about doing like a like some sort of like a sarin gas like attack? No, I'm like a, that was a I'm just thinking like that fucking group. that cult thing, right? You're thinking of the um, on the subway. Uh what are they called? Uh, I I can't remember their name, but um, I think what I'm getting Max, he's like he allegedly stabbed like a businessman. Yeah, on, a on subway. the subway. Okay, that's what it is. Uh, no, it's the Kevy and John Duncan, and John Duncan is a like performance artist, like just general artist from America, um, who has some stuff in there too. Uh, he's got a very sick picture um, of Genesis Peorage from yeah, dude, uh, Throbbing Gristle, but at the time Psychic TV, and Genesis is like holding a machete. And has a very sick Charles Manson shirt. And on it, it says, um, uh, I don't know if it says, I think it says uh, Helter Skelter in the back. And like, it's like really is like, this is like the sickest picture yeah, I've seen of this, anyone ever. <laughs> I've seen that shirt and that picture. And it, yeah, it rules. I, I want that shirt. Like, didn't so they play bad. with Psychic TV? They did. So I will maybe. say, uh, Gas Burner Panic video, I'm sure you're all familiar with. That is yeah. when they played with Psychic TV and like, Maybe gauze or something like that. I can't remember. Insane, Bill. Ghoul. I will say the one good thing about, not to say that, you know something good about Scabby's death, but uh, hey, all you bootleggers out there, you're in the clear. Yeah. He's not going to come for me for He's not going to try to murder you now. <laughs> Randy Achita group shirts now. He, he personally won't. I know, right. He might, maybe he I might have he some followers. A, I know yeah. he's, he's a connected guy, but I would say. Well. I believe I remember reading something. I don't know if it was um, Hiroshima or Iron Fist. Someone was like, I was in, I was in Japan at one of their bars or something like that, and like someone had like a bootleg shirt on, and they're like, "No, take that off and buy like a new shirt right now." A bootleg gizm one or bootleg like Japanese like band shirt. Really? Like, so they take that real. You have serious. to like buy that shirt. Like you have to buy a new shirt. You have to take that. Like off. we didn't sanction that shirt. We don't. Wearing. I don't know where you got that shirt. We didn't. That's not a real shirt. Where they like you need to get rid of it. Like and then buy ours. Yeah, that's and if that's true, you know Japan. That's sick. It wasn't and it wasn't Sakavi. Japan does seem like a country that would be very you know heavily into like you know trademark copyright laws like I, you know not stepping on other people's toes and shit. I think it's just like a principle kind of thing. And right, like, it's like the respect. Like, come thing. on, man. Yeah. You're giving me, but like, it's probably so, an element of that, and also that I know it's very hard to make a living in Japan generally. 
So they might be if like they're making, without being a businessman or something. I mean, even, man, even those those mother, man, motherfuckers yeah. have it very hard making a living. They got to sleep on the subway, go back to work type of shit. Like, oh, that's well, like that. Everyone uh, there is super fair, overworked. That is yeah. a, that is. I would not say that's a that's a consequence of like they need that money. That's just a consequence of like work culture there. Really? Okay. They, yeah, they are like just crazy hard workers. Okay. Like and like. It's not because it's like this is natural and we think it's good. It's like there's like a name for like what happens when you like literally work yourself to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I'm sure it's very honorable. Um, maybe I'm not sure. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Japanese, I can also just uh, correspondence. <laughs> let us know. But uh, prank, I think prank records. I forgot who someone posted about like some of the gigs that he was able to see. Um, it was in '95 because uh, he was like. Uh, the, the there is the '95 video where I think um, Randy has like the high, the high hair, where his like hair yeah. kind of goes up, and like Sakavi is is not wearing a shirt and he looks like buff as shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he looks like a hardcore guy. Looks like yeah. Jared. Yeah, it looks like yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> like he's like yeah, the place they bo- they would book show they would like do these weird shows at these like way big venues. They're like way bigger and. I don't know if I have the flyer, but it was a very sick. It was like Death Side, I think. And let me see if I can uh, find it because you know what would probably be one of the scariest things you could ever see. Can you imagine like ru- like wa- uh, running into a Sakavi? And he's got like a fitted Yankees hat and like a white do rag on, <laughs> dude. That would yes. be. I would be scared. That would like be, some camo pants or something. That would be so cool, that but would I would yes, scary, I would be scary. frightened. I would not like that. Um, <laughs> let me see here if I can. I'm sure you would never. With that, maybe not. With that know. guy, I feel like all bets are were off at all times. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? Maybe wouldn't surprise me that much. Okay, so this is what it is: Sonic Studs Core Front by Trend Death Troyer. Bsars presents April first, nineteen ninety five, including. Sonic for Gorbion Necropsy, Studs for Deathside, Core for Gauze, Front for DBX, Gizm. This gig is full line. Rapongi Jungle Base. Advanced ticket 2300 yen at the door 2800. What is Rapongi Jungle Base? I think was, it's like a big there was like, like jungle? It's like a big venue like Oh. Yeah, if you seen the video it looks fucking big. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Yeah. That, they have like a crazy fucking like um like uh thing in the back showing it. So that was I thought Gorf- that was like a like a DJ set. Yeah, I thought it was like a jungle maybe, DJ. Maybe, I don't know. I think it's that's what it's called Rapongi Jungle. Wouldn't have phased me that much, but But like that gig, I mean dude so you're seeing Gizm already. Gorbion Necropsy? Yeah, that is surprising That's to see them on a weird. bill like that. And That's Death crazy. Side, too. Death Side in 95, where they they were like... Oh, I think they were still around at Still that kind point. of a yeah. band, I guess. That's weird. Yeah, it isn't um, bad on the... Not bad Gauze? on the possibility. What's the one after that? And DBX. Didn't they, 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 they just split with Chaos UK. They had the a record 90s. in 95, yeah. I think they I think one of their LPs is from '95. Really? Okay. I, Not wasted. I think bet on the bet on the possibility is like mid '90s, '94. I want to say. Yeah, the I will say the yeah they did a split with Chaos UK. The UK Japan connection. Yeah, mainly through Chaos UK, but some others as well. Yeah, like the Disclose Hellcrusher split. That's another good yep. one. 
there is I forgot what it was. I was reading something about like why they were like who was like facilitating. It wasn't just Chaos UK. I think it was like some other stuff, but um or Oh, you know you know who else? Um Lee Dorian. Uh, Lee Dorian. He was friends. Yeah. I think he was he knew Sakavi. There was a something in a thanks list. SOB like, maybe? No, this was like earlier. Oh, before this was like oh, wow. early early eighties. Maybe it was Gizm. Maybe like a UK band being in like a Japanese thanks list or something like that. It's really weird to think about Sakevi being part of a scene. Like I was looking yeah. at old pictures of him, seeing him with guys from Laugh and No Nose, Death Side, all these other bands, and like that's one way in which I've struggled to kind of imagine him or think about him is like, oh yeah, he was friends with these other people in the punk scene. Like he would have been one of the guys you knew if you were in the punk scene there. Like. I just can only imagine Gizm as like its own entity in a vacuum and yeah. him as this psycho. And like, it's crazy to think about him uh, having these connections in other countries and elsewhere in the scene. Like, it's just with the legend and the weight of his, uh, the, his of his legend, I guess, like that has just always been hard for me to conceptualize, even though I know that was the reality of it. I guess that says more about their scene than it does about him, that it was like, oh yeah, it's just one of our dudes is this guy who... Makes the zine about how to kill people and this, fucking uh, attack a guy maniac. in a store. Yeah, uh, uses a flamethrower at live performances. Yeah, I mean there was a fought a rasta on video because like the guys from Bastard went to jail from like punching a cop. That's pretty gnarly. I didn't know. I that. mean, in Japan too. That 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 seems like a place where it is not a good move to punch a cop. They love law and order there. Yeah. They certainly love to have things be in order and to have they people follow the law. They do love rules. I don't know. Something about that region of the world. They love rules. They do love rules. <laughs> they really they do. They love traditions. They, they really ghosts, do. Like haunting them. They love following. You're right. Something. They're very superstitious. Like that is really what like cult, like culture and like tradition must have been just like someone being like, listen, when I die, if you don't like. Yeah, I'm going to haunt if you. If you don't put like this, this, these antlers up every, every winter, I'm going to haunt you. And you're going to be like, scared. Well, fuck, I guess I'll do that. You're like, going to be hiding under your blankets in bed and scared. Yeah. Because you're yeah. going to hear some scary noises. And your bed is on the ground. It's going to be creepy. We haven't, oh, right. we haven't created um, bed frames yet. We also haven't created mattresses yet. This is the year uh, uh, 4000 BC. <laughs> BC. <laughs> what was going on in Fort? I don't know. Was I that don't a, even know. What the hell was going on back I don't then? think that was like a thing uh, at that point. Egypt. Mesopotamia. Egypt, yeah. Mesopotamia. You probably got... They must have had bed frames. If you have irrigation, you have bed frames. And plumbing. The average poor person, though? The average peasant? Probably still doesn't have a bed frame. Doesn't have a bed frame, probably. I don't know. I like, would assume not. They sleep on, like the ground with some hay and uh, maybe uh, some maybe uh, yeah, hay some plants like maybe some palm leaves or yeah some palm leaves I don't know maybe they got leaves. something I don't know maybe just some boxes but I don't know I mean they got tropical trees leaves, there right palm trees boxes well, <laughs> cardboard boxes I know this they don't have box springs yeah no I mean you don't they need don't. one no you don't need I, eh, I mean I don't nice. I don't have a I don't have a bad frame <laughs> Yeah, you kind of do live the uh, J Japan lifestyle, the own jet lifestyle. Yeah, I do. I do, but I mine's do. like broken, so it's uncomfortable and makes too much noise, and I got to get a new bed, which is just something I keep putting off. But yeah, I'll probably go super Spartan mode with it when I do, too. I go Dutch. Okay. Go Dutch. <laughs> I go Dutch. 
But rest That's, in peace yeah. to Sakevi the legend. Uh, the winner of the top 100 records of the 80s was Gizm yes. 2. Oh, prize wow. winner in our Plus Zone uh, March Mayhem competition. Hey, I mean, if there was a record that, that, that could have won it, I mean, that's definitely... Uh, now, I couldn't pick a better one than that. It, I'll say this. It stands on its own more than any of those other records. That is a singular piece of artwork. Well, yeah. not only because, well, just for the whole, like, the punk and metal thing, too, mm-hmm. I feel. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, like, influential, highly influential But in both. an extremely weird way. Someone I saw on Facebook pointed out something. They were, they were telling a story about, uh, you know, being a younger guy in the punk scene and one of the old heads being like oh yeah this kid's cool he knows gizm and and this dude pointed out a lot of friendships started that way like and i think i was kind of in the same boat at one point when i was younger it's like that was especially when the internet was either not around or like not the way it is today like that was the kind of thing where it'd be like oh you know that band that means like and you like them like you're you you're you're built different like like you're you're a fucking crazy dude yeah that's probably been going on since the 80s like oh ever since the peace compilation came out yes that was how all the people i'm talking about heard them like someone i don't know if it was prank the same dude from prank someone but like the idea like the yen was really was really high in the 80s. That was when they had their economic so, boom, yeah. to get a Jap- Japanese label, like, title at all, like, first of all, like, a lot of U.S. places straight up just didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you had to, someone had to know. Oh, you're and, talking, like, imports. Like, imports, okay. like, because yeah. it, it, dude, it'd be, like, three times the cost of, like, a normal LP. And in the 80s, too, it's, dude. like, that's probably a lot. <laughs> like, Ryan, so that, that's a lot of money. Like, okay, what am I going to do? Get, get this fucking record or am I going to get three records? If not more, too, because you got seven I, inches yeah, as well. Like, I'll just get a bunch of fucking records and seven inches. Yeah, hey, so, uh, not to get off topic, you just came up on a good little... Uh, I fucking did. For cheap, too. For hella cheap. I got some of my... Some real... Some, like... Not like... I, some of my favorite records. Some of my favorite stuff that I've, like... Some sick bands. Some very sick bands. And maybe I'll post about it on the Instagram um, when I listen to some of them. But... No, it's, it's, uh, Pusshead was like really, truly was influential in like getting that over here. Like literally going over and like, cause he would go to Japan apparently. He was like going over to Japan. I didn't even know that. Okay. Uh, that's pretty sick. 80s, and like trading titles with the Pussmort stuff. Oh, like that's how he would like get Japanese records. He would yeah. like just go over there. Um, that's pretty I mean, cool. He probably wasn't just going over there. He's probably doing like skateboard stuff and like Thrasher yeah, stuff. Yeah, that makes sense oh, too. Yeah. Which, I didn't know this. They had like a thing where if you subscribe to Thrasher, you would get a copy of. Um, now that they have the attention, by something like that. Know, that's really cool. I didn't know that either. Wow. Yeah, Thrasher was big for that stuff back then. But and Sakevi was it his first in his like video series? Het was like heavy on skateboarding. I don't know if he skated, but like I remember watching like the first the Punk on Wave thing before it was Performance of War, and it was like a lot of skating footage from Japan. I don't. I don't know if. I don't know what video you're talking about because Punk on Wave was a zine. There was a there was a video. He did a video too. Okay, yeah, it was like I, a video. It was is. a video series as well. I watched it like years ago, but I remember like expecting like the performance of war stuff. Like, oh, this is gonna be people getting their heads blown off. But it was like punks skateboarding. I, I feel like Sakavi could probably like really appreciate um you know the anarchy of uh skateboarding. Yeah, yeah, in Japan they probably hated it. I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, I mean, just yeah, stereotyping them, but I feel like that's probably true. You know, they didn't have any designated areas for skateboarders. Probably, probably not. Then. Probably not. You had to break the law, and he, I'm sure, loved that. 
and get chased down by a couple of Japanese cops. And people can get hurt skateboarding, and he probably loved that. You can get hurt really bad. Oh, right. He's like, he's probably waiting for his, like, he's oh. waiting for I, people to fall. And, oh, you know they're not wearing helmets either. No, 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 no. So we say goodbye to some legends. Some highly influential people yes. R.I.P. made us great music. R.I.P. Jimmy Buffett, Steve Harwell, Gary Wright. Thank you for your contributions yeah. to punk. Thank you. It is crazy because the Sakevi Jimmy Buffett being like within like an hour, twelve hours of each other. There's a, hours. a classic bit of ours, the ultimate heaven supergroups. Well, That's what I'm looking forward to. Oh, because you brought up that point where it's like you know Sakevi, like one of the most like you know dangerous, like evil motherfucker musicians, or like not the, his, but the vibe. The vibe. On, the, on terms of like what he was doing with his music, polar opposite of Jimmy Buffett. Right. Yeah. Uh, on ev- like legitimately every right. single level. I would yeah. I would not yeah, I would never think about playing Gizm like, you know, around my parents. Yeah. Cuz they'd probably be like, what is this nonsense? So Kevin would never open up a restaurant. No. <laughs> it would it's kind for me it'd be kind of I'd have to find middle ground cuz like yes, my parents would hate Gizm, but also if I played Jimmy Buffett in front of my parents <laughs> now, they would be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, well, they were like, "Why are you doing this?" What is wrong with you? Like, I like, what the fuck? Well, yeah, I don't know. I was like, your parents, from, yeah. you're f- they're from the city, right? Yeah, but or, even, even from yeah. the, but even, or I grew up in the city. I, they're from I got other some suburban suburbs. ass parents. They're from other suburbs, but like, I don't know. Do people from the suburbs here like Jimmy Buffett? Yes, they, they do. do. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're. Well, like with Smash Mouth and. Uh, my thing is, and you guys kind of, again, going back to that political episode, I don't know if you touched on it there, but, like, maybe it was Axegrind I was listening to, but, like, the idea, like, you have to be into, like, kind of everything now. Kind of, yeah. Kind of have to be, like, yeah, it's punk rock to actually kind of like Taylor Swift. And it's, like... But it's not. Okay. I mean, like, you can like Taylor Swift. I don't give a shit. But, like... It doesn't, like, increase your punk bona fides to like Taylor Swift. Right. That's like being like, I'm, like, the biggest, like, fucking metalhead known to man, and it's like, I only listen to Elvis. Yeah, so it's... That would be really funny. It's one of those That's a good gimmick. That's a good bit. It's a good gimmick if that's what your your gimmick is. If you're going to live by the Maybe there'll be a new character on the next episode. I love punk rock like Elvis Presley. (laughs) <laughs> punk rock Elvis Presley I love well, my favorite punk band is Elvis Presley he's my favorite punk rocker musician <laughs> I mean look at that haircut that's like a proto mohawk that fucking pompadour yeah. he's got it's like almost like a devil lock yeah oh I, actually yeah it is and that's a good comparison to draw because I mean look at Dan oh, good old Danzy and uh and Jerry Owen. Yeah, Dan. Well, that's what the devil I came from. They Jerry were like, Owen. time to do our Elvis pompadours. And they're like, oh, we can't do it. It's, uh, or like, our hair's too got, long. <laughs> they got water splashed on them. And they're like, ugh. Oh, water. Now. <laughs> I'm Jerry Ponley. <laughs> Ponley. <laughs> that's horrible. Prone. That is miserably that's bad. A good, that's another good word. It's like Jerry Only, but he's like an internet troll. Yeah, Jerry Ponley is my new <laughs> stage name. <laughs> No, I'm I, not, I don't have a project annoying enough to use that stage name yet, but give it time. I don't just, I don't think they're, they're like, not everything needs to be given the time of day on every single level. Like, 
with the Steve Harwell thing, dying, him dying of like liver, uh, liver, chronic liver failure. I think chronic liver failure, some of, sort of, of liver chronic disease, <laughs> um, which is uh, undoubtedly start uh, caused by his intense drinking, which likely is caused by the death of his of when his child, which had quit cancer. Oh, oh like I didn't even know his that. kid, his son who died, he was only alive for like six months, and then he died. Of like oh, leukemia. that's really sad, really? actually. Okay, that. Huh. And that was in like 2001. Oh, really? Yeah, that was well, like 20 it, years ago. What a sad guy. Damn, man. Hey, I don't. I mean, honestly, I don't think I could blame him for feeling that way. See, I would. I would. I'm gonna be. I'm not not to be a jerk here, but like, uh, like it's different if your kid is like is like six or like, like ten or something. Yeah. No, it and would like still be horrible. 20 years, it's like, dog, come no, on. No, it would man. be horrible, like, though, because you just keep thinking about what could have been, you know? Yeah, true, but I mean, I don't know. It would like, almost be better if your kid did get to be 6 or 10 and your kid, like, kind of sucked. Like, if your kid is... Like, yeah, it's yeah, like, like annoying. It's like, <laughs> if you, like, just, give them, like, a Misfits onesie and they're like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, fucking... I, I don't want the scary skeleton if on you. If, if he dies when he's an infant, it's like, in your head, he's always going to be a perfect kid. You're going to listen to fucking Earth Crisis, you stupid fucking toddler. No, the Smash Mouth guy, I, like, I'm not that big of a hater, but it, part of me was bothered by people, like, memorializing the Smash Mouth guy because I'm like, dude, why do we give a shit? But knowing this now, I think he is a great case study if you want to look at, like, something, like, miserably sad. Like, this guy who just has to be drunk doing fucking all-star for decades like and, uh, goddamn walking on the sun and uh fucking miserable I can't get enough of you baby but awful it kind of goes oh maybe also kind of goes to show that really money can't buy you happiness because i'm not gonna say the guy was loaded by any means don't know his status he might have been at the end of the day probably did pretty good for himself probably I mean, all said those yeah. track uh the track i would, I would imagine he made just enough money to like not have to get a day job but maybe, I, maybe I would not say much he probably made more than that. I would yeah, but how much of it did he blow on bullshit? Well, exactly. Mm, all, all it it. it kind of goes to show that, like, even with all the problems that he had and probably the decent amount of money that he had, because they were in Rat Race, too, remember? They that, were at, right, right at the end movie. of the 2001. Right the big year for those all those uh, Smash like Mouth. My boys. son's Good gonna, uh, my child is gonna die, and I'm gonna be in a great movie and, with Rat called and Rat. And then Rats. I'm gonna be in critically acclaimed children's cartoon animation film Shrek. And then I'm going to perpetrate a terrorist attack called 9/11. A <laughs> uh, terrorist attack known as uh, boy. Uh, my schedule how is do you say full 9/11. <laughs> it's a big big things coming. Watch this space. Well, what do you think Walking on the Sun was about? <laughs> I mean, those buildings, they got hot in there. Yeah. All that like, jet fuel. Like, that's what the terrorists experienced when they were, when as they, they were, were When their skeletons were burning alive upon they hitting the fucking... They know what it was like walking down the sun now. I'm just, now I'm just thinking about a 9-11 hijacked or, like, posting on Twitter before it, like, big things coming, watch this space. Mixtape dropping real like, soon. Hashtag, might as well be walking on the sun. Dropping real, buildings hashtag, dropping real soon. I'm a believer after this. World I'm a believer in Allah. Yo, World, World Trade Center dropping real soon. Real soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I just don't... I, I'm not going to say, oh, who gives a shit? I don't give a shit about him in, like, the the grand sense. Why would we? <laughs> yeah. And, like, but but people are like, well, he was... Uh, he had all this bad stuff. It's like, and it's like, wow, that does suck. 
to be fair, if you told me about that, um, the neighbor seven houses down, I'd probably feel like the same. I'd be like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, if you told me that my tragic. Our, our neighbor. Awful. Our neighbor lost their infant child and became an alcoholic and had to play three shitty songs for over a decade. For the rest of his life. That basically. would be really sad. That but is God what damn, he did, man. too. He did that for the rest of his life. That, that would be worse, I will say, than like having that happen and then just having to go like be an engineer or something, have a nine to five. Like, no, he was a dancing monkey. Like, that sucks. Yeah, that kind of does suck. Like, and like, no matter. And like, it. Meme culture made it worse. Oh, dude, it made it. I feel so humiliated for him. Like, how many fucking... There's the Shrek raves that they do now. Ugh. ugh. I mean, people... Like, the last show he did was Smash Mouth. People were throwing, like, loaves of bread at him. I mean, you yeah. know, that's probably fucking... That's probably... He threatened to murder well, people's family. Yeah. Didn't he quit the band because he, like, did a Roman salute at that show or something? He did, He's, I think. He said, I was, like, Heil Hitler. That is hilarious. Well, see, I think I was reading a... Uh, it was, like, the New York Post... Or something, the mm-hmm. New York Times, whatever it is, the write up on him. And his manager was like, oh, he's going through some, like, he's, he's got mental health issues. And he was also physically ill at that yes, time, he was. I think. Yes, too. he was. So, yeah, makes sense. You know, it all makes sense. So, that would be if, if when you think about your legacy, that I would say that's a don't. And the other people we've mentioned in earnest, uh, Sakevi, John Kesdi, uh, Dave Stein. And uh, Robert Becerro from the Stains. Those are dues. Even if they didn't make fucking all-star money, uh, they made a great impact and gave me music that I have been listening to all the time for many, many years. Yeah, um, Gizm is, like, legitimately, like, an inspiration and influence on me, like, to this day, ever since I heard him, like... I mean, I'm not going to lie, the, years ago. The, day after I, the day after he died, like, when it came out or whatever, I was at work. I was pretty bummed out about it. Oh, I was yeah, bummed dude. too. Yeah, same here. I like it was like Just I thinking can't about listen it, to yeah. like I was like legitimately like I can't listen to like Gizm. I probably will like shed a tear yeah. too at work. Yeah, no, like, it, it I felt that one. I can't listen to um uh what's the song? Um on man. Uh oh, with uh, like the soaring like Iron Maiden fat- I can't style. Listen to the fatigue. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that will make me like cry because that song is like song anyway. Means a lot to me, even though I don't know what he's saying. And you know what is crazy? I, that kind of shit normally doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like a big, yeah. a celebrity musician, whoever. I feel, dies. Yeah, I feel you. That usually, did bother me a little bit. Usually, yeah. I don't care. Well, this, again, but... it, going back to the legend stat, it's just because like that dude like seemed like he was invincible. Yeah, like he was yeah. just like this enigmatic figure. Like, like that's, that could he be was anywhere. straight up. That, that was like the spirit of the samurai right there. Yeah. That yeah. dude. It's disappointing he didn't. Well, I'm not going to put this on him, but I was hoping he'd go out like a Yukio Mishima style situation. But, you know, is what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was probably number three for me. The two that affected me the most was Lemmy dying really fucked with me more than I thought it would. And David Bowie made me really sad. I still haven't watched that new movie about him because I feel like it's going to make me sad. But, uh. Yeah, Sakevi, he'll, you know, a lot of mysteries will leave the world with him, but he left a lot of good music behind. Um, are we about to wrap up? I think so. Okay, so I'm going to probably close out, read some Effigy's lyrics. They're punk as fuck. I think it's fitting for our podcast. You know, in Effigy. In Effigy, yeah. But you can find us at kingsofpunk.com. 
uh, Cop Pot Official on Instagram, uh, whatever Tyler's Twitter handle that he just had that we'll link to. At Tyler underscore Hammer underscore. Okay, you can go there. Uh, check out the new episode of Politicore. We'll link to that. I did a guest spot on that that was really I was really happy with. And uh, we got lots of exciting things coming up in the future. So to close out, this is uh, probably my favorite Effigy song. It's the song Below the Drop from the Haunted Town EP from 1980. And it goes something like this. Picked a spot below the drop. Knew something was about to fall. I've been waiting around for long enough. Now I hear my non-call. We're not subjects of your stupid precepts. We're built on grains of truth. It's a no-class, sight-unseen report, not swayed by your abuse. I'm not boxed in. Religious convention is your own invention called the lightning-fast fist of man. But religious slates don't dictate our fate. I don't walk around in a trance. Disbelief is what we preach to the troubles that make up our mind. When things fall short of expectations, it's time to redefine. I'm not boxed in.